I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Good day, Rush Nation, and welcome back to the Five Yard Rush Daily Fantasy Sport Podcast with your host, as always, Nick Owen, and I'm joined by a familiar voice you'll know now, Mark Ferguson. Hi, Nick. And we're also very privileged as we're joined by flagship big man Murph. How are we doing, Murph? Hey guys, nice to nice to join you. Thought I'd come and gate crash the the party. Um and uh, yeah, I've been enjoying the pod, so I thought I'd uh, come on, invite myself as as you do and uh, <laughs> absolutely kind of party last night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. You, you boys look like you're having too much fun in the chat. And I was like, oh, I might just come on and just spoil it a little bit. For anyone um, who, who wants to know what's happened, basically me and Mark were doing quite well, but as with any performance, you, it has to be reviewed. So we've got Big Brother in today to, to oversee us. Um, this is a bit of a one-to-one kind of thing between myself and Mark and Murph. We'll be graded at the end of it. And fingers yeah. crossed we pass and you'll hear from us again next week. If you don't, you'll know what the outcome was. <laughs> What I would say as well is you drew the short straw because if it was stocks, you probably would have sailed through with me. I'm a little bit more meticulous. <laughs> I'm, I'm like that driving instructor that, that that literally points out every single little minor fault. All oh, your hands on at 10 and 2 for all of like one quarter of a second. That's a point off. So, yeah, 
best performance, but this does mean this is going to be the best podcast of all time. Correct. We can scrape through <laughs> with minors. I'll take that, but we just can't have any majors. So best best behaviour, Mark. Better not um, look at your lineups from last week, then, Nick. Let's let's not. We will come to that in a moment. But yeah, basically, Murph has joined us today because, um, as you'll know from listening to the flagship show, Murph is really good with his analytics and. He's been. You're not usually a DFS player, are you, Murph? But you've been looking into the scoring this week and doing a bit of a deep dive on some of the facts there. So it'd be interesting to get your take on some of the picks as well. Yeah, that's purely what I'm here for. So um, it's interesting because DK scoring, DraftKings scoring, and that's what we'll focus on, um, is is different to standard sort of fantasy football scoring. So there's a bit more nuance to it. So it's important. And, and I think, you know, for me as an outsider who's never played, I've never set a DFS lineup in my life. It's interesting because if you go into playing DFS with a DFS, with a, with a fantasy football um, head on, with just your standard PPR, half PPR scoring, um, you've got to be a little bit careful because you'll end up, um, you know, trapping yourself by picking high-owned players who could flop and therefore not help you cash or high-owned players who, you know, basically won't help you cash anyway and not finding the deviations that I know you and Mark talk about on a regular basis on here. So, um, yeah, basically for me, it's just looking at some trends on the data um, and seeing um, based on your picks, and then I've, I've got a few potentially of my own, um, what I would like just based on the picks, and, and I'm not suggesting to pick them because the ownerships might be too high. I don't look at the ownerships per se, but um, just based on what I'm seeing on data, this is where I think is a good pick. This is where I'd maybe pivot um, unless there's, you know, it's a very contrarian option, et cetera, and, and that's why you've picked it. And it kind of will allow a bit of balance between uh, fantasy football and, and, and DraftKings and, and DFS. And um, it also allow a bit of a training exercise for those out here who are just starting out on a DFS journey to say, okay, so even though Murph is saying that, you know, that's a, not a good matchup. It's put in for a contrarian play and here's why and hear that counter argument. Yeah. Because I think that's the part that will build up better understanding and why players will get better. I think um, a season-long expert such as yourself would actually would easily walk into playing cash games, which is like double-ups and head-to-heads, head-to-heads, because you only have to beat half the field. You generally do play the higher-owned players in those as well because you want to make sure you're not losing out on those if they smash but equally if they don't smash like Dalvin Cook last week you don't lose out because half the field have them and you're only trying to beat half the field so I think uh, I think season-long players quality ones definitely can transition to that I think the the main difference um, for someone who's taken up from season-long is the fact that everybody can play all the same players every week so there's not more than there's more than one you know Derek Henry everybody can play him so then you get into a whole load of uh, sort of game theory style stuff to do with ownerships, leverage plays. I prefer the word leverage play to contrarian because <laughs> it makes it sound like you're uh, like you're taking advantage of something. Fair I, think there is, I think there is a difference as well. I think there is a difference. A contrarian play may be absolutely have no leverage on the field at all. But we'll t- as we go through our picks, we naturally talk about this sort of stuff, don't we? Cool. Definitely. You mentioned last week's performance, so I'll get mine out of the way, Mark, because it was an absolute shambles. Um, too much was put in uh, in the palms of Derek Carr and Darren Waller, and Derek Carr didn't particularly do very well, and Darren Waller didn't particularly do very well. So that was pretty much the uh, the story of my week. 
where where I was actually strong was in the running backs. Um, I did end up pivoting from Giovanni Bernard to Naheem Hines um, closer to kickoff because with the sort of with the concussion stuff in the in the build up, I just didn't want there to be a reduced load for for Bernard. So Naheem Hines was, was still pretty cheap because I think Taylor was expected to play, and then it was a, as a late withdrawal from him with COVID. So did pretty well there, but then across the rest of the lineup. Um, it just wasn't great. The receivers, Robert Woods, Myers was wasn't too bad, especially for the price. But then people who I was expecting to turn up, so Darren Waller, six thousand's a lot for a tight end, but he had a good matchup and he just didn't perform. Derek Carr didn't perform. Even Stefan Diggs was below par, to be honest. Didn't he? When you look back on his performances, even he was well below his his usual standard. So. You're not going to have a good week when when that's that's happening to you. How did you get on, Mark? I did okay. I had a small profit, so the last couple of weeks have been very good. I had one. I played. I play eight lineups every week. So in going to the last game, I had one with a KC stack in it, which had a real chance to win some big money. But they kind of stopped scoring fantasy points, like in the middle of the third quarter. Now, admittedly. Tyreek Hill and Mahomes had already scored quite a lot, so maybe I was being greedy. But I did have Antonio Brown in there as well as my comeback. And I I picked him thinking he was actually going to be the lowest owned of the three, but he turned out to be the highest owned. And Mike Evans was actually the lowest owned of those three receivers in Tampa Bay. So, But my favourite part, and I mentioned this on the pod last week, is we got a 7% owned Derek Henry. And any time, as I said last week, any time you can get Derrick Henry low-owned, it's a wonderful thing because he's always the running back with the most likely to get that giant score or that that forty-point score, or like multiple touchdown game. So that was all good. Just had a lot of good piece, all, had all the right pieces again, never in the right place altogether, but <laughs> still a small profit. So can't go wrong with that, can you? Can't. So it's pretty good. The actual the way I changed. The way I construct my lineups about four weeks ago, and it's working out pretty well so far. So let's hope that continues. You can share a little bit of that lineup construction with me, Mark, this week, because the way <laughs> I'm constructing my lineups over the last four weeks, I might as well just scrap it all and start again. <laughs> That's uh, kind of what I did after week eight, to be honest. <laughs> a lot of soul searching. You, you you made the adjustment nice and early. I'm still yet to make it. Um We've also had the tiers again, so the the flip flop continues on the tiers scores. So you've pulled back level mark, haven't you? Two two. But um, neither of us are proud of our tier scores. Ab- no, absolutely not. One hundred and seven point eight eight was my final score, and I've just seen Mark that you had one hundred eighteen point six. So I think we were well well both below par there. I think I finished last week on one hundred eighty. So it shows shows the gap there in difference from one week to the next, but. We are back on Playmakers this week and we will come to it a little bit later on in the pod. So it, it's due, I'm due another win there. I think I'm unbeaten in the Playmakers and you're unbeaten in the uh, in the draft. So, Which is ironic because I know nothing about college players. <laughs> <laughs> so draft rounds are irrelevant. As people know that listen to the pod, we start off always with our classic lineup. So looking ahead to the main slate on Sunday... Um, and what what picks we like across the board. So we start with quarterbacks. Mark, give us your insight into who you're liking the look of this week or more so who you're not liking the look of based on the messages we exchanged yesterday. 
it's funny. I don't think we've had a week like this where quarterback, I, I feel so uninspired by it. I have a feeling I'm going to be focusing around like for the four more expensive quarterbacks, which is very unusual, isn't it? Maybe, mm. maybe five actually. Uh, yeah, maybe. And um, so for today, there's only really one I wanted to talk about. That's Deshaun Watson at 7.5k. Um, I'm expecting this game to be a, have a higher total than a lot of people are. He doesn't have a running game to rely on Deshaun Watson at all. In fact, he's been doing most of the running himself, especially near the goal line. I also think generally from a DFS point of view, he's matchup proof. Yeah. The only there is there is a downside of him though. Obviously, Fuller's been suspended now. Will Fuller's been suspended at the end of the season. So now we know why he hasn't his hamstring hasn't gone every other week. <laughs> and, uh, it was it was performance enhancing drugs, and why he seems to be running at forty mile an hour every week as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, what's weird is none of us questioned it. We were just so happy that Will Fuller was staying fit. <laughs> you know, I, I questioned it. I'll be honest with you. I was, a bit, I was a bit like, "What's going on here?" I feel like my pick to avoid him in all drafts has been vindicated. I think I have him in one out of seventy rosters. So I was like, "Oh, that's a real headache for my one roster." I think that. That team is on course for the playoffs, so I have to do a little triage there. But I have a feeling you got the right result for the wrong reason, though. There, as in you're expecting him to be more injured. Yeah, uh, the results, the result. <laughs> you just take what, what you got to understand is it doesn't matter how you get there, right? As an analyst, you get there uh, and you take the win as it comes. Uh... DF, DFS is all about how you get there. That's isn't it? Isn't it, Nick? You can justify a bad week just by saying, "Well, the process was right." Yeah. <laughs> Because it changes every week. I'd take that on a break-even week. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the other reason I like Sean Watson is because I still think I still think that passing game is going to be fine, and um, you can stack him with a lot of cheap pieces. So Cooks is the most expensive of his, of his receivers. Stack him with. You know, I have a soft spot for Jordan Akins. I'm still <laughs> I still want to have that week where I roster him and he gets his twenty points. Um, and also, the other thing is, from a game stacking point of view, uh, a leverage point of view, there's lots of options you can stack. You know, what to the cooks and others from in from Indianapolis. So we're not we're not quite at the tight ends yet, but it wouldn't be a a five yard rush daily fantasy sport podcast without you mentioning Jordan Akins and the specific reason why you like Jordan Akins, Mark. Which do you want to share that with with the listeners? Well, <laughs> well, for all the new listeners, because everybody else knows exactly, because he just looks better than everybody else on the He's board. an athletic, He's athletic. tight end. Yeah, He's an athletic, athletic tight end, and Mark loves <laughs> his athletic tight ends. I'm with you, Mark, 100%. I've been, t- I've been saying that if you can't, I think I've said this about three or four times this season, that um, it, it's funny, Houston score touchdowns with tight ends. Um, if you looked at their first sort of seven, eight weeks of the season, um, this is more under Bill O'Brien. It's changed a, a little bit since uh, Romeo Cornell. It has regressed a bit. But especially under Bill O'Brien, they actually score a, a good amount of touchdowns for their tight end. The problem is, it's just a different spread. And when Aikens was injured, Fells was getting them. But actually, when Aikens is in that side of the tri-headed tight end room he is the guy that will come up with the ball uh he, he's kind of a boom or bust play because he he could have a stat line of like two for 18 and and no and no touchdowns but he could also have a, a four for four for 36 and a touchdown kind of day um and that will always seem to happen every couple of weeks so if he didn't score 
I don't think he scored last week, did he? Or did he no. not score? No, yeah. so he's, he's he's probably due. He tends to score every every couple of weeks. He's a tight end that frequently gets missed. But if you're in a season long or DFS and you're just looking for a, a tight end sort of boom or bust, Jordan Aikens is is always a great guy to to throw in, as you say, because he's athletic and and especially without Fuller, it's yeah. I I I've been a big fan. I've put Aikens in my lineups this week um, and over the season, and think he's someone that should be rostered or played a lot more than he is he's a he's good also, uh he's a good uh leverage play as you would say he's also 2.9 k only so it's um a fantastic price yeah we one way i we we can't we're not going to mention jonathan taylor this week in running backs are we nick so we're no, both of our the board um, this week yeah okay that's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> i'll be back on that train next yeah. week don't you worry but other than deshaun watson I really can't think of anybody else I could really spend much time talking about other than, you know, the most obvious players. So what about you, Nick? Please shed some light on this position for me. Well, just, yeah. on, just on that, before you get into that, I, I did this research on Watson on DraftKings scoring. So um, the Colts, over the course of the season, have given up 15.47 DK so DraftKings fantasy points per game, which is actually the third least out of all the uh, defences this season. Yeah. What's interesting is they're actually giving up over their last four games an additional two points per game more. So they're actually at 17.59 points per game more over the last four games. They've had some injuries um, where they've been rotating linebackers, which means they're not getting as much pressure on the ball. Deshaun Watson's already great at escaping. um, So you can expect a little bit less pressure on Watson uh, than probably he would have got earlier on in the season. So a lot of people would probably look at your matchup, Mark, and go, okay, he's matchup proof, but it is the Colts, and the Colts have this amazing um, fantasy record, and they do. They've been a brilliant defensive season, but they are giving up more points over the last four games, and that's when the injuries have started to pile up, and they've also played significantly better uh, quarterbacks. If you look at some of the quarterbacks they played over over recent weeks, um, they're playing statistically much better quarterbacks. Uh, Tannehill, um, I can't believe I'm saying that. I wouldn't have said that 18 months ago. Um, Rogers, for example. Watson is obviously in that in that elite category of, of quarterbacks, so he's matchup proof. But actually, the Colts perhaps aren't as scary as a matchup as uh, it would have looked on paper a couple of weeks ago. And also, we um, for me personally, this is something which we, where me and Nick may will differ. I'm not sure. Um, I don't weight the matchup defensively as as important as high as I would if it was like um, as a for season long, mm. uh, because the variance on any one week is so high in the scoring. And, I mean, how many people expected Tennessee to, you know, that first half last week? With I can't remember if it was 28 or 35 points. Yeah, it was a big, 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 yeah. big week, yeah. Nobody expected that because everybody was like, the Colts is a great matchup in every way and stuff, which is why you got, well, one of the reasons you got 7% of Derek Henry last week. So I, um, I feel confident going against, I feel confident with him going against the Colts this week. I possibly wouldn't if I was playing, if it was, say, a rookie, quarterback or one of those guys I mean guys off a practice squad who doesn't know his teammates then I definitely wouldn't be but um but yeah with Deshaun Watson mm. against uh, just you, you you can play him every week it all comes down to price really with him it comes down to price definitely definitely fair yeah I, I'm with you Mark on the quarterbacks this week they are uninspiring and I think you've got to look even at your top end you look at Russell Wilson at 7700 and 
he he's the sort of standout, I suppose, of, of the list there. Maybe maybe Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers against Philadelphia, but it feels like a bit of a banana skin this week with the quarterbacks, and I don't particularly like spending a massive amount on them anyway, unless there's a really obvious matchup. So I do like your Watson pick there with that in mind because he's he's not the highest price, but like you said, he's he's still doing it every week regardless. Um, which is pretty much why I've gone for the one that I've I've picked as well, which is Kirk Cousins. And I can't believe I'm actually saying this because it's Kirk Cousins, for God's sake. Um, but when you look at Kirk Cousins, he has the lowest fancy points per game amongst his peers there in that price range. Other than Taysom Hill, who, other than the fact he plays on the Saints, has no rights whatsoever being priced at 6,300 or being priced as a quarterback. Um, but I think the reason why I like Kirk Cousins is I think he's his actual per game average. He it's being dragged down a little bit by his earlier season performance, where the Vikings weren't they weren't winning games, they weren't particularly playing great football. But when you look in more recent weeks, specifically his last two weeks, he's had three touchdowns in both games, and he's had a score of just shy of twenty seven, and then just over thirty. And he's got a really good matchup this week as well. Jacksonville have given up 23 passing touchdowns to quarterbacks this year, which is the second most in the league. And they're allowing 24.1 drafting points per game to the position as well, which ranks them 30th. Um, the, the teams that are below them are the Falcons and the Seahawks, and the Seahawks are historically bad this year. And we, you know, we don't need to even talk about the Falcons' defense, really, especially the secondary. We've covered that on previous pods, but they're in bad company there for the wrong reasons. And I think what you're also seeing with Kirk Cousins is, and I'm sure we'll come back to this as well as we do discuss other positions. But it's if you put in someone like that in your lineup, it's a natural stack then to look at you know, partnering him with a Justin Jefferson or even an Adam Thielen who was missing last week, but he, he is he's one of his favoured red zone targets, isn't he? So, um, you know, you can put together a reasonably priced stack there and at 6,400, I don't mind spending that. The only fear I've got with Kirk Cousins is he's overdue his, his floor game, if you will. So he's, even though he's not had any turnovers, in the last two weeks, oh, he's had fumbles, sorry, he, he has had two lost fumbles, but he's not had any interceptions, which is what he was struggling with earlier in the season. Um, he, he's always capable of that single-figure scoring game, and I just hope it doesn't come this week. Yeah, uh, you said kind of said it about Cousins, you said it all. Um, I, I wouldn't worry about it this week uh, in particular. Um, the one thing about Jacksonville is that especially when you've got the quarterbacks that they've got in right now, whether it's Luton and we think probably Mike Glennon's probably going to get the go again this week. Um, the statistical difference between points given up, it hasn't really fluctuated all that much, um, which is surprising if they've, they've actually marginally got better. Um, but also they've they've kind of hit a, a spate in that where they played some pretty low end quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield, for example, um, who don't really statistically move the needle uh, all, all that much. But Kirk Cousins has built a career of putting away bad teams. He always has done. He's always put away bad teams. He's always that guy that plays very well against teams in games he should win. It's actually the games where he 
is the underdog or the games where it's 50-50 or games in prime time that he doesn't do very well. So Cousins, as you said, 300 yards passing in each of the last two games, three touchdowns passing each of the last two games passing. Also, no um, turnovers or interceptions. Um, I don't think you're going to have to worry about uh, the Jags uh, getting many turnovers this week. They're not a team that tend to get too many um, turnovers. You know, you're talking about less than half an interception a, a week they tend to get. Um, so I wouldn't worry about it too much. The The only thing that's going to hurt Cousins is is game script. And they just decide to just hand the ball off to Madison. Uh, well, first of all, Cook and then Madison if, if the game's very comfortable. That's probably the only thing you can really worry about with, with Cousins. I think that's what DraftKings are actually expecting is going to happen as well, Murph, because Delvin Cook's priced the highest of the running backs at 9500 And then Matterton's actually priced at 6900 which for a backup is a ridiculously high price. So it's yeah. as if they're banking on a Delvin Cook injury there, potentially. Well, he's slightly, he got slightly hurt last week. He, did, mm. uh, he is going to play, I think... Um, if you're if you're Minnesota, you have to think about this. You have an outside chance of making the playoffs. Um, very very small, by the way. They have to almost essentially sort of win out after their um, horrific loss a couple of weeks ago. So it would make sense to start using Madison a bit more and just take some of the leg work out. And this is sort of the perfect game for it. Um, because Jags aren't great at stopping the run. They're not really great at stopping anything, to be perfectly honest. Third worst uh, defense in, in drafting scoring um, kind of says it all. So, um, yeah, if, if the game skips kind of follows the the, the the last few games where Cousins balls out early, scores lots of touchdowns, you could see Madison come into the game. Um, but you've also got coaches like Mike Zimmer playing for their job. So maybe they decide to run up the score to say they're better than they really are. Yeah. That's the other flip side of the coin there. One that I did also have down as well, and I'm I'm not going to talk about him for very long at all because I don't think it warrants it, but if you are struggling on funds and you didn't want to go at the high-end range for a quarterback, then why am I even going to say the name? But Mitch Trubisky's at 5,400 this week. Nick, please, talk for a long time about this. Please explain to us how you got to Mitch Trubisky. So yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> it's more so just because of who he's playing this week. He's playing the Lions, and I suppose, you know, Matt, now Matt Patricialus, um, this, this, that, that's a bit of a, a, a banana skin game. There might be a bit of a, a bite back, if you will, from the Lions, but you look at his most recent score against Green Bay, he had 21.78 drafting points in that game. He had two interceptions, but three touchdowns, nearly 250 yards. Um, it's just more so, when you look at the games he's started, his, his scores aren't dreadful, they're just not great either. So in in the four games that he started, he's had two 20-plus games and then two 10-plus games. So if you're struggling on the funds... 5,400 to the top end quarterbacks is quite, it's quite a jump. You're looking at saving yourself around 1,500 to 2,000, depending on who you were looking at price wise. So if you don't want to invest as much in a quarterback this week, then it may just be someone that's worth consideration. That's all, but not much consideration. Either go for it or don't. I thought um, that when I first saw you, when I knew you were going to pick Trubisky, I had to, I just checked out his um, card on DraftKings, and I was actually staggered that he scored twenty one points last week mm. because of all the press around it. I didn't watch the game; I watched the highlights, and he hit value. It was like three and a half times his 
price, which you'd be very happy with uh, in most lineups. You're going to, if you arrest your team does that, you're definitely winning money. So I was, I was surprised. So fair play, maybe is, maybe he will end up being uh, the surprise package of the week. I've got another surprise name. I would, uh, and again, I don't really know about values per se. So you can tell me if I'm off my rocker here, but I'm just as a rookie here, going to throw a name out to you that you might laugh at and I'm going to justify it. Cam Newton. I'm not laughing at Cam Newton. I, I almost, I almost put him down myself. Um, Chargers giving up 20 fantasy, uh, 20 uh, DraftKings fantasy points uh, per game on under. They're literally just a nudge uh, better than the Lions. Um, I think the Lions is a trap game. As, as Nick said, you, you might get this new coach bounce. If you think about this season, Texans fired their coach. Crenell comes in, the wins a game. Um, Falcons fire their coach and GM. Um, uh, Raheem Morris comes in, they win a game. Uh, it, you just sort of get this new effect that the the doom and gloom kind of goes out the window. The pressure sort of leaves with the with the coach going. I'm, I'm not saying these players were playing to to get the, the the coach fired in any of these circumstances, but there's just something about it. It's like a new beginning. It's like the weight kind of lifts off. It's like okay, we start again. It's a clean slate. And these guys are playing for contracts and they're playing for jobs. Um, and there's just something that it's that extra 5% that they can put in. So I, I do think it's a trap game. And also I don't like picking players on a five game lose streak, unless there's someone that's completely match proof, like an Alan Robinson in this matchup, because I think any, you know, when you've lost five straight, you, you, everything's going wrong mentally, uh, physically, Everything kind of is just not a good place. The press are talking about you. Pressure just gets racked up even even more. Um, and especially after the start that they had, you know, they can't afford to be losing more games um, because the coaching staff will go. So they exert more pressure. So I would I would pivot more to Newton than to Trubitsky because, again, the, the, the Chargers know how to lose games. And without Burkhead, it's, for me now, Cam Newton has almost a similar value to... Um, Josh Allen till the end of the season. Josh Allen will always have more because he can throw the ball better. But Cam Newton is going to be the guy who's going to run it in. If they get near the goal line, he's running it in. It's not going to be James White every week. It's going to it's, it's going to be Cam Newton. He hasn't scored. He hasn't run in a touchdown in two weeks, which is he's not gone through a streak like that this season. So no, exactly. And, and the reason why is because they 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 did a dump pass to um to James White for about eight yards, and they expected him to get down to about the two. And he gets in um, through sheer power and determination. So, you know, you would have expected that to have probably been a scenario where Cam Newton would have run it in himself. Um, so I, I'd expect him, I'd back him for two scores this week on the ground, potentially, because I just see that as a game that the Patriots, you know, win one last week in, in what was close um, and a game they probably didn't deserve to win. And I think that there's a little bit of momentum building there. You can stack him really well with some cheap options in Myers and Bird as well. And uh, yeah, I, I did. If I was going to be forced to put one down, he was actually who I was going to put down as my second Cam Newton. So glad I haven't lost Morocco. <laughs> <laughs> no, not completely. Also, he, there was the the sort of narrative around that Cam Newton was that if he's in games where they have where they can be behind, they have mm. to chase or potentially higher scores, then he would score well at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Uh, so, and this could be one of those games. 
Yeah, absolutely. We'll hand the ball off from the quarterbacks then to the running back, naturally. Going with the uh, with, with the actual name of the pod, Five Yard Rush. Let, let's hope for plenty of those from the running backs this week, if not more. Um, talk me through your pick at running back, Mark. An old um, favourite returning yeah. this week, potentially. Sorry, say that again? An old favourite of yours returning mm, this week, potentially. Indeed, indeed. Before I go back, I just want to quick talk about running backs because this week we've got two very expensive running backs. And I just want to, for people who are listening, just understand the, there's, a, there's an edge you can get on the running backs over the rest, rest of the field. Every, I saw so much stuff on Twitter last week and heard on podcasts and stuff how Dalvin Cook could not fail. Impossible for him to fail last week. I think he was he 9-2 or 9-5 last week, 9.5K. And he couldn't fail. And I even saw people saying... He's definitely getting 50 points. You know, absolutely crazy stuff. But this wasn't just one-offs. This was like a, I wouldn't say it wasn't, it wasn't quite a pandemic, it wasn't quite an epidemic, but it was quite a common thing that he couldn't fail. And people have got to understand on any one week, any where well, these high-priced players can fail completely. And you should embrace that as in don't pick them. If you've got multiple lineups, have them in some. I had Dalvin Cook in two lineups last week. Six without. Now, obviously, the two years in, you know, they struggled. But the six years out, I was ahead of 40% of the field already because I hadn't spent nine, I hadn't spent a fifth of my money on a player to score 11 points. Um, so, bearing all that in mind, my first pick is going to be Derek Henry at 9.2K. <laughs> so, I'm going to contradict myself completely there. Uh, but there is a, reason, a specific reason I'm bringing him up. I suspect he will be higher owned than Galvin Cook this week because of the recency bias, which happens in DFS all the time, doesn't it? Derek Henry scores highly last week. Dalvin Cook doesn't. I still think they're both talented. They've both got a chance to get 30 points. That's fine. If they get anything less than 30 points at that price, then they're not worth it. So you've got to bear that in mind. If they're getting 24, 25 points, they're too expensive, I think, for your lineup because you can easily get cheaper running backs to get up towards that score. The way I would play Derrick Henry, and I'm going to do it, is I would stack him with Ryan Tannehill and AJ Brown. Now, normally, that wouldn't work. For most teams, stacking the quarterback, the running back, and the wide receiver one, there's no positive correlation. There's just a weird statistical anomaly about about the Titans for the last couple of years, that that stack works. Obviously, not every week. Nothing works every week, but it does work, and it pays off a lot more than you think. So that's my... um, that's my case for Derrick Henry. I think it's that big playability, I suppose, from the Titans, isn't it? Because Derrick Henry is always capable of breaking off a big play. And AJ Brown, every time he touches the ball, he looks like he's taking it to the house. Um, you know, so so much, so impressive recently that ESPN really went out on a limb and, and recommended he should be in your lineups this week, um, which is absolutely should be the case if you're playing regular fantasy sports. But, Weighing in anything on Derek Henry, Murph? Uh, Derek Henry, um, so again, flipping over to the Browns, they have performed um, reasonably well against the run over the last four weeks. They've actually um, outperformed by four and a half points per game better 
over their season average. So 21.57 points to running backs over the season, 17.07 points over the last four weeks, which is the eighth least amount. Um, two things about those numbers in context. One, that's the entire running back room. That's not two individual running backs. So uh, obviously running back by committees, you've got guys coming in for chump plays and etc. cetera. Um, obviously Henry is one of those guys that is matchup proof. It's a, a good time of the year for him. Um, the Browns defense hasn't been oh so resolute until the last uh, few weeks, but part of that as well is they've been playing, um, they've been getting ahead of games. And then as a result, um, teams have been throwing the ball on them a lot more. Um, so when you reverse those stats, they've been giving up a lot of points to wide receivers, uh, quarterbacks, etc. cetera. Um, so it's context behind the numbers. They have seemed to stop the run. A lot of that seems to be matchup more than, uh, improvement in personnel. The one thing that was going for them in the last four weeks that they did improve in personnel was Ronnie Harrison um, at safety was was moving up the field and um, and he was sort of stopping any potential big break breakaway runs um, by moving up. He is now injured um, and that gap now goes back to where it was earlier in the season. So um, it wouldn't shock me uh, for Derek Henry to maul over the Browns. Um, and think that he's someone who, you know, despite the cost, is, is someone that you would bank to have a top a top three running back week this week. Um, the Cleveland Browns, though, the reason one of the, is one of the reasons they've improved the last four weeks is they've been three of those four weeks they've had the worst weather conditions, and therefore the teams have probably been running more, so they've been stacking the which was obvious because they couldn't pass, so they've been stacking the box a bit more. Do you think? I mean that there's a lot of different factors to them. Um, that that certainly is one that that would play into it um, considerably. I, I think less only because yeah, you're right. They could stack the box, but they could also um, they also would see more rushing attempts, um, and therefore I, I I would tend to believe more often than not that those would balance out. You just look at the caliber of opponents they played, and then you mix it in with some of the personnel they've had over the last four weeks. Ronnie Harrison has been one of the better. Um, DBs in the last four weeks at safety um, but they played the Jags, the Jags were behind in most of that game, alright they made a late flurry of it, James Robinson was was good but he did most of his damage um, sort of in the air and on the ground, it wasn't particularly uh, a great game then they had the Eagles, again you're talking about another three win team who again they were behind and um, Miles Sanders was out of that game or he was injured in that game um, as well so that's another one affecting personnel before that was Houston and that weather was really, really bad, but also they didn't have their number one running back as well. So some of the things that have really assisted them over the last four weeks is, is the, the, the level of schedule, you know, they haven't played the teams they played didn't combine for 10 wins this season. That's a big thing. So it's a talent issue. Um, but also I think they just have better personnel on the field uh, prior to that. Um, and then, yeah, weather could play a part. I think it's all a, a number of factors. I think if you're looking at those sort of trends, and, and this is why I caveated it, they seem to have improved over those last four weeks. But then when you dig deep behind it, it, it doesn't mean that it's they've instantly got a lot better. It's okay, yeah, they have Ronnie Harrison. He was doing a good job and he was making more tackles and making more plays um, than they were getting out of that safety position earlier in the season. But there is much else here that should worry you about Derek Henry and nothing I can see here as a real trap game uh, per se. What about you, Nick? Who are you going for looking at a running back? I'm, I'm going with one of the most frustrating, certainly fantasy running backs that I can think of, which is David Montgomery. Um, 
Now, a deep dive on Montgomery this week. I found out some quite interesting things about David Montgomery that I probably didn't know beforehand. Uh, one was that he is he's quite quite a heavily targeted running back in terms of passing plays. And when I looked at where he is sort of wedged, he's right between or right above Chase Edmonds and James White, which are primarily two running backs that are used on the team specifically on on passing downs. He's not a million miles away from having the same amount of targets as Naheem Hines has had. And every time you see the ball in Naheem Hines, it's it's coming off a dump-off pass or a screen. Um, But what I like about David Montgomery this week, firstly, the price at 5,500 is a ridiculously low price. He's actually lower this week than he was last week against Green Bay. But there's not really... Well, there's no drop off at all in in the actual opposition when it when it comes to defense against running backs. So we know that Green Bay aren't a good defense against running backs, and he put up twenty eight point three DraftKings points there. Now the Lions are are actually statistically worse than Green Bay against running backs. So the Lions have given up the most touchdowns on the ground to running backs. They've also given up the most receiving touchdowns to running backs as well this year. And when you look at David Montgomery's schedule, in in sort of the middle part of the season, he's had some tough defences that he's had to deal with. So in the space of five games, he had to host Indianapolis and Tampa Bay, travel to the Rams and then host the New Orleans Saints, which for four out of five games there, that's that's some tough defences that you're coming up against at a time where Nick Foles was starting at quarterback as well. And I'm just not a Foles fan at all, and I know you're not either, Murph. But, um, yeah, I mean, when you look at his schedule from here on out, and I feel like if, if he performs again this week, I feel like I'll probably be saying his name for the rest of the season if he maintains this kind of price because he's got a really good run to finish the season. And again, the matchups there for him this week, and at five thousand five hundred, I just can't ignore that kind of value. Yeah, uh, looking at the the numbers behind this as well, I, I've been saying this in strength of schedule. David Montgomery has the easiest uh, fantasy football strength of schedule between now and the end of the season. Um, I don't think you'll probably see him at five point five for any future weeks. Um, I want to set expectations. I'm not expecting him to put up uh, top five, top seven numbers in scoring, but. As you said with the Lions, the Lions over the season have been one of the worst teams to running backs at 33.29 DraftKings points per game they've allowed. You've got to remember here that there's no committee here. He might siphon off one or two touches, but he owns this backfield. There's no one else. Ryan Knoll might come in. You know, Cordell Patterson might take a touch, but he's only seeding three or four touches a game. He's pretty much there on most if not all snaps so he's guaranteed volume and as you say he had a much harder schedule earlier in the season the lions over the last four games have actually given up more points per game than they were which is 35.33 points per game over the last four which is actually the worst and you sit there and i was looking at the schedule thinking like oh they must have had some really difficult um running backs they contended with over that time and dalvin cook was was in there of, of course Antonio Gibson absolutely mauled them. Duke Johnson, who's a backup, absolutely mauled them. And Mike Davis, who's a backup, absolutely mauled them. So everybody has gone to town on the Lions this season. They literally have been 
prey for for running backs in fantasy football. Um, I it, when you look at the value, and this is almost lying with, with Derek Henry. Derek Henry has that massive ability to get to to forty points. I see a ceiling to to Montgomery that's twenty five thirty points. And if you look at the value, can you build that value of the extra near four thousand three thousand seven hundred you're saving to make the difference to Derek Henry? And I guess this is the gameplay part. I don't know about DFS as well, but at that price, I think you. I think he's, the only worry you're going to have is everybody's going to own him if everybody can figure that out. That yeah. that, that Montgomery's in an absolute dream matchup, and and I know what I said about Trubisky and trap games. It's very, very different because stopping the run isn't easy, and the volume is going to be there for Chicago. You know, in fact, the reasons they've not been doing so well is they've failed to establish the run and they've put the ball in Trubisky's hands. If you're expecting Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky to win you this football game, you're in an uphill battle. I'm not saying it's impossible. If you establish the run with Montgomery, you've got a much better chance of winning the football game. And I, I would hope Matt Nagy has worked that one out. No, I was going to quickly say, when you said about worried about being owned, I think Henry and Montgomery or Cook and Montgomery will be the most owned pairing of running backs this week because of the way the pricing is. So if you want to be different, just play Montgomery and somebody else in a lineup, And then also that, that allows you to then probably spend more money at right receiver, which gives you a different roster construction to everybody else and therefore differentiates yourself. So just having, you know, having, as I've said before, you can have three, four, five of the most popular players in your lineup. It doesn't, you don't have to, you can't have nine contrarian plays, you just won't win. Uh, so um, you can play, play them, but if you want to play differently, then just don't play Cook or Henry in that lineup. One of the ones I wanted to get just a, a bit of weighing in from yourself, Murph, on this, because we did discuss it briefly last week, didn't we, Mark? Was around Alvin Kamara. And we were saying last week, Alvin Kamara dropped from the Atlanta game from 9,200 down to 8,200 and were we considering him for our lineups? And my response was until I see a stat line similar to what we had when Drew Brees was at quarterback, he's not really someone I'm considering. That said, this week he drops to 7,000. So within the space of two weeks, he's dropped by 2,200 and 7,000 is comfortably, well, I say comfortably, it's his lowest price since the first week of the season, which was 7,200 against Tampa Bay. What's your thoughts on Kamara? I think if you've got Alvin Kamara, you're in a bit of a tricky situation. Uh, and and I'm going to put some real-life perspective into this. You're talking about the Saints now. They are 9-2 and two on the season. Mm-hmm. So they're 9-2 and two on the season. They have a two-game lead in their division over Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay are on by. They can stretch that to a... Th- two-and-a-half game lead. Uh, no, a three-game lead because they would play the same amount of games. So they stretch it with a three-game lead before the play. On top of that, they have the tiebreaker because they've beaten Tampa Bay twice this season. So Tampa Bay would have to win out and the Saints would have to lose out if they win this week to lose their spot, to, to lose the division title. And even then, you would expect to make the playoffs. So going forward... Do you actually need to use Alvin Kamara as heavily as you have been? Because effectively, the job is almost done. And this is where, as you're going forward, I, I don't know how you would look at this from a DFS landscape, but from a fantasy landscape, Alvin Kamara is the kind of guy, you, you, you saw it last week, 
Latavius Murray, Latavius Murray had a season high in snaps, a season high in production, season high in touchdowns. And I think that is the route that they're going to go down over, over weeks. So I, I would look at that and, and say that there's a trap for, for Alvin Kamara because he's not going to be saved by the passing volume of Taysom Hill because he's not throwing the ball all that much. He's going to cede all the goal line touches because Taysom Hill is taking them. And then what he's also doing is he's ceding touches to Latavius Murray because they want to keep Alvin Kamara fresh for the playoffs. I just think all of that spells a really bad disaster. For, for, and I'm not saying Alvin Kamara should be dropped or traded or anything like that. I just think that Alvin Kamara was easily the RB1, RB2 on the year. I think you've got to put him in the bubble of where he's probably 8-12 to 12 rest of season at best. I think you take your savings this week and play Latavius Murray if you want to get into that running game. His price hasn't gone up this week. I'm really shocked about that. Yeah, and and, and I I think I think that there's a value there for Latavius Murray this week because again the only the only thing I would worry about with him is does Taysom Hill eat into his work? They're not going to be playing a team that is going to give them the ball every every five plays like they were last week with Denver. Yeah, at this price, uh, five point nine. He doesn't need to score 28 points and you're, you're a happy bunny. Hmm. He just needs to score 22, something like that. So, and he can Which get is, that pretty much on volume alone almost. Yeah, I think especially second half, um, I, I think you'd be worried early, early doors with, with Murray because I do think that they would want to win the game. Because ultimately, once you win the game, then you, you open up that lead to, to three to three games and then that makes it very very difficult it's also a division game and there's always a bit of a niggle between the, the Falcons and, and the Saints but we know that the Falcons aren't, aren't too good um, defensively so yeah I, I, I would swing that way and go based on what you're telling me about leverage plays and, and opportunity cost there I, I definitely would, if I had to buy into that running game I, I would rather have um, Murray over over Kamara although I probably would fade both. Yeah, This is the first time, I don't know about you guys, I can remember Atlanta against New Orleans used to be the game you would get as many pieces as possible from a fantasy point of view. It's definitely Absolutely. a DFS. And this week so far, I mean, admittedly we're only Wednesday, so research is not definitely not done. It's not really come up, come up on my radar that much. No. I don't, I don't think there's a lot to to put into this because you've got, with Atlanta, Matt Ryan hasn't been great. Julio is is banged up. Calvin Ridley has gone off the boil. Todd Gurley is banged up. Um, so you look at that Falcons offense, and it's not what it was. It's not putting up the the points it was earlier on in the season by any stretch. And then you've got no Drew Brees, which has an um, immediate impact on Michael Thomas, and it makes all the other wide receivers in New Orleans completely irrelevant. You can't start any of them. You, you can't start your Emmanuel Sanders. You can't start Traquan Smith. You can't start Jared Cook at tight end. They're all irrelevant when Taysom Hill is there, because he's only going to throw the ball 10 to 15 times a game. He doesn't need to do it more than that. Mm. So all of a sudden, you, you're kind of taking out 70% of the field just through injury and and play. So the only pieces I'd want in that game, and I, I don't think anyone in that game is an elite option. As you say, Mark, I can't remember the last time there was a time where I thought about that game and thought, wow, there's not an elite option in that game. But there isn't. There isn't an elite player who I would say is must-own this week in any format. I think I think Kamara could put up a, a low-end RB one week. I think Thomas can put up a low-end wide receiver one week. But I also wouldn't be shocked if they were RB2 and wide receiver two weeks. That wouldn't shock me. I'd, I'd, I'd say probably the best play in the whole field is, is Taysom Hill. Yeah. 
he might be the leverage player actually because I think with, as they put the price up at four thousand eight hundred, he was easy to start. But when he first um, and then he was six two last week, and now six three, I think people might um, go off him. You you could put him in for two rushing touchdowns, so that's twelve points. You could you could pretty much book that. So then it comes, where does his remaining points come from? So if he can get 50 yards rushing, 150 yards passing, that's an extra that's an extra 10 points. No, 11 points. That's all you need from Taysom Hill. 150 yards passing, 50 yards rushing, two rushing touchdowns. Mm. 23, po- 23 points. Done. Yeah. That's, other- that's a realistic outcome for him. Yeah, and the other thing is he's, he's sandwiched between Cousins and Tannehill, and I think Cousins will be very popular this week because of all the reasons that, um, mm. Nick said earlier. And Tannehill's there as well, which and he's a popular DFS play, Tannehill. Yeah. Um, so he maybe he may, could well end up being the leverage play just because just because of where he sits and his pricing. We'll move on then, fellas, to the wide receivers. So uh, as you know, I think. What we've agreed on, Mark, is that we'll try and put a little bit more focus <laughs> on the receivers and a little bit less on the tight ends and defences, given what they actually score in this kind of format. But uh, it's a crowded wide receiver room that I noticed on the uh, on the little spreadsheet. So talk me through some of your picks, Mark. Who is it that you're liking this week at wide receiver? Well, we both <laughs> we're both all liking the same team here, but all but different parts of the puzzle, aren't we, mm. Nick? I like Adam Thielen this week particularly this is partly because of the old DFS recency bias what's what what tends to happen is when a player disappears for a week or so a lot of players forget him it just happens and so he's been away last week and Jefferson scored a lot of points and that's going to make him popular I also think Thielen is a really good pivot play off of Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson so I've seen the last few weeks a lot of people have been pairing up Dalvin Cook plus a receiver and I think this week, that will be Cook and Jefferson, where it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, you compare him with Cousins. You know, I love Cousins like you do as well for this week. Um, you know, Jags are bad against wide receivers. We know that. Also, the um, the Vikings in the last five weeks have been scoring a lot of fantasy points with the offense. So, um, so yeah, I prefer I prefer Thielen. To be honest with you, in my lineups, I'm probably going to have pretty much a bit of, of every part of the... Minnesota offense, including Irv Smith if he's back, um, because I just really like that game and that matchup. It's just trying to find the right combination, really, isn't it? Yeah, and the reason I've got Jefferson in is because he's just slightly cheaper than Thielen. So Thielen's seven three, Jefferson's six nine, and in all honesty, I would probably prefer to have Thielen in my lineup this week. I just can't really find a way to get him in without sacrificing elsewhere even though it is only a, a small amount. The reason I prefer Thielen, I think, is because of his his actual red zone target. So Jefferson's had a lot of volume work in the past few weeks. Um, he's, he's really come alive, actually. When you look at his last three weeks' scores, his lowest score's been 17.6, and he's had two scores around 25, which for his what what you're actually paying to get him in your lineup is is really, really good value. Um Around the receivers, and there's something that I know you'll definitely weigh in on this, Murph, because I listened to the flagship show yesterday and, and you, you did mention it on there, but I'm looking at some volume players. We know, obviously, the situation with Fuller 
being suspended. So I think Dalvin Cooks and there's potentially, you know, some of the cheaper options there in Houston that you may play. But I just like Cooks because even though he is the higher price, he seems to be the the go-to outside of Fuller. Um, But another couple that I like just specifically because of volume, and you said it on, I think it was last week's pod, Mark, that the, the offensive, the, the points that the offense scores, they have to go somewhere. And the New York Jets don't really have a running game as it stands at the moment. So their points are pretty much coming from their receivers. And there's some reasonably priced Jets receivers. Perriman's at 3.9. Mims is 4.1. And I know this is something that you discussed on the pod earlier this week, Mer. So I'd love to hear your take on it as well, because I really like the play of Mims. When I looked at his targets over the past three weeks, he's consistently had eight targets each week. Yeah, so I, I go through all of these really quickly. Thielen Jefferson, right, as I said with the Jags, uh, the, the Jags have been putting up, they've been giving up 40.45 uh, fantasy points per game, which is the eighth most all season. That actually jumps up four points extra, so 44.55 points over the last four weeks. There's plenty for both of them to eat. Um, anyone that's worried about Thielen with uh, COVID, he missed COVID, what's the long-term effects of COVID, blah, 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 et cetera. I'm not sure how many people really think like that, but um, he actually got a positive and then a negative pretty quickly. Um, so he might not have even had COVID. So if anyone is sitting there thinking like, well, is he going to struggle to breathe? Is he going to play? We don't actually know for sure if he had it. Um, and the fact that he got a negative very quickly says to me that he probably didn't have any real effects to it, but we don't know for sure. Um I would lean Phelan over Jefferson, but again, I think both both can eat here, absolutely. Cooks, I think Cooks gets, you're right, is a lot of volume. He, here's the problem with Cooks, and it, it's not his problem, it's the problem of the rest of the Texans. Will Fuller is out. So Will Fuller is out, rest of the season. Randall Cobb is on IR. Kenny Stills has been allowed to leave the team. So who's who's the wide receivers left on that roster? I don't even know. They went from having one of the deepest rosters in the NFL at wide receiver two weeks ago to where you looked at their wide receiver four and thought, hmm, Randall Cobble, Kenny Stills. That's still pretty good for wide receiver four to it's Brandon Cooks and Kiki Kuti. And Kiki Kuti doesn't stay fit. So when you're looking at who is after Kiki Kuti on the depth chart, I genuinely don't know. I genuinely don't even know. But we have to take the assumption that Kiki Kuti is only going to play a couple of games because he always gets hurt whenever he plays more than two games in a row. It's going to be so, so easy for Brandon Cooks to be covered in this game. And you're talking about a Colts D that's disciplined. They they will understand this. They've got a very, very good secondary. You double cover Cooks. I think he gets peppered with targets. It's down to his ability to make those catches. If he does, and he's good enough to beat double coverage consistently, he's going to eat like a king. If he doesn't, then, you know, the the Texans might struggle a bit here. Um, So that's one thing to be slightly concerned about, but I would still go with the volume and see how that shakes out. I think Cooks for the rest of the season now has the potential to be a top 12 wide receiver because not all teams are going to be like the Colts and be able to successfully double cover him. So I think going forward, if you're getting Cooks at that range, I think he's massive value. Perriman over Mims. My worry with Mims is he gets all these targets, but one, he's never consistently hauling in enough. Um, and I haven't watched every single catch. So I can't say how much of this is bad throws versus um, versus him not catching the ball. Um, but I do have a worry about 
Denzel Mims in terms of I still think he is acclimatizing to game speed in the NFL. And that is something, and the targets are great, but if you consistently aren't hauling in those targets, you know, he caught four of eight. Um, and it's been that sort of number. It's always been four of eight, four of eight, three of three of nine, that sort of thing. That's the thing that kind of worries me about Mims. He also has no tie, no touchdown upside, none. Don't think he scored this season. If he has, it's what, no more than one. I would, I would save the 2000 and go with Perriman. Perriman has found the end zone three times in the last three weeks. In the last three weeks, he's averaging 20 yards per catch. So he doesn't need to have either the high volume of targets or the high volume of catches to get his yardage. You know, a a stat line of four for last week here, four for 79. All right, no touchdown last week. You know, he had two and then one the day before. He has a touchdown in there and you get four for 79 and a catch. Um, he's going to be relevant. He's going to massively outperform his value. Um, and that's why I think you, you can sneak the value. I'd rather have, if the guy's only going to catch four or five balls and I can't see more than that, because you still got Crowder on that roster. Crowder is still going to get targets. He's still going to catch balls. So it's all of a sudden gone from being Jamison Crowder and no one to quite crowded. I would take the guy who's got the big playability. So I would go with Perriman. And at that price, I think he's a steal. Um, the, the Raiders, on the other hand, by the way, have been giving up sort of the tenth most amount of points to wide receivers. They actually, in the last four weeks, have given up an extra four point one points per game on average over the season average. So I really like Perriman this week. I think Perriman is the kind of guy that value could win you a lot of money. They both have. Um, I was I, <clears throat> I was looking to see if it's because of average depth of target because I know that Mims has a lot of um, you know. Um, a lot of his targets are down the field. They're both over 15 yards, yeah. both him and Perriman. So I thought that could have been the difference. Um, yeah. I think yeah. The, the difference there is, not... is, is, is just experience. Mm-hmm. I think Mims, over the long run, is a better player with a better outcome. But I still think Mims is struggling to get to game speed. He's had a real stop and start season. He's not had the games that we would have um, he we would have liked him to have had and I think it's only now he's kind of figuring out how to beat NFL it's a steep learning curve at wide receiver because you're playing against the best corners in the game in the world um, and you have to learn how to beat these guys the other thing about Perriman I said this on Tuesday Perriman this time of the year always comes alive um, because it's contract year he, he just signs these one-year prove-it deals consistently, and he never does it in the first half of the season. And he always turns around close to payday, and he puts up massive numbers. He did it at the Browns two years ago. He did it in Tampa last year. Wouldn't surprise me if he did it again this year and got himself another one million six, uh, one-year $6 million contract somewhere. And I, I'm the idiot who always drafts him in season-long the following year. Thinking <laughs> that, you know, he's going to continue his pre, you know, the last six games of the year. Anyway. He never does, but this is, no. this is just as it's Derek Henry time. This is Bashar Perriman time. Three point nine. I you would struggle to find a better receiver for 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 money wise and value wise. I think on the slate, but then it, that also makes me think that people will go there because of that. No, people, generally Denzel Mims is a DFS darling. Uh, well, he I, always I, gets he always gets touted. I'd pivot and go Perriman and mm. watch it fail this week. But I I just like I like his peripherals <laughs> to be a game winner this week. Yeah. And at that price, he doesn't even have to do that much. No. Gets 11, 12 points, it's fine. 5 for 70 or so, I think he's fine. And that's well within his range of outcomes. Yeah. 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 Our favourite position is what's coming up next, Mark. So we'll go with tight end. Um, 
kick us off. <laughs> Do <laughs> I really like? have to kick us off? <laughs> okay. Okay. We're again, we could just record this bit and play it every week. When I say liking, <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, Hunter Henry is my favourite play in tight end this week. He's athletic. I'll <laughs> give him that. <laughs> Not just that. I just, I just think there's so many questions around everybody else around him. So Waller and Hawkinson are overpriced for me. Evan Ingram, Colt McCoy, quarterback. Dallas Goddard, who's going to be quarterback there? Uh, it's going to be it's going to be Wentz. They've already said that. Are they? Okay, fine. Okay, so Goddard's in in play then. If Wentz is definitely going to start, yeah. Doug Peterson says he will not sit Wentz. Okay, fine. Um, and then Gazicki again. Who's going to be the quarterback? So yeah, so I ended up on Hunter Henry because we know who the quarterback is. His targets have been really consistent. He's coming up against um, you know New England defense, which isn't like the old New England defense, and he's and um, yeah, he seems to me the best of a bad bunch at the top. Hunter Henry. So looking at the Patriots, nine point one eight fancy points per game. The Patriots have given up at tight end, which is the fifth best. Uh, they are giving up eleven point eight five points per game over the last four weeks, which still is in the sort of top seven, top eight range. Yeah, so, also, but they're mid, they're middling in terms of receiver receivers as well. Uh, with the tight end position, I don't. Or I sometimes, I often weigh in the receiving stats mm-hmm. as well, because obviously nowadays tight ends line up everywhere, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they get covered by everybody. So um, I'm not scared by the Patriots like you would have been, you know, a couple of years ago. No, absolutely. They're definitely not the entity they were. Um, but they, I, I guess, if I'm looking behind the numbers, mm-hmm. considering they play in the AFC. How many elite AFC tight ends are there? Travis Kelsey, um, uh, Darren Waller, John Lou Smith. That's probably about it. Mm. So that's probably something is they they also don't play against great tight ends all that often. And that could skew the numbers. But it it seems to be where they are playing against a better caliber of tight end, they do tend to give up slightly more points, which is Mm. not a bad sign for for Henry. Uh, And you are just, you are just, you know, throwing a dart at a board here. Yeah, that is what the position is, isn't it? Yeah. Definitely. And I feel like the same names crop up every week, and I think that just shows the, the shallow depth that there is at tight end. I feel like I mentioned Jasicki's name every week, and he, he actually, by by his season per game average, he didn't have a bad game last week with 11.5, and again, he's he's got a decent matchup against Cincinnati this week. But I, I do like Robert Tonyan down there as well at 3,700. Um, he seems to be getting fairly consistent target share from Aaron Rodgers, and he's he's also a safe pair of hands. He's had forty two targets on the season, and he's, he's thirty seven of those he's roped in. The one that I do like, I was going to talk more about Tonyan, but I, I do like the Johnu Smith pick this week. I know you've just mentioned him, Murph. Um, what I found quite interesting about Johnu Smith, and you. you you sort of see it week to week with his scoring. He has he's he's got that capability where again he can put up a double figure score for you, or he can he can lay you an absolute egg and and come in with a a one or a two, uh, which obviously you don't want to see. But it's not the end of the world if it comes from your tight end. You certainly don't want to see it coming from one of your wide receivers or running backs. But I think the reason that I like Johnny Smith this week is he's he's playing the Browns, which they're not. They're not a very good team against tight ends anyway, giving up around 15.7 drafting points per game to the position. But what you get with Smith is there's always that high chance of touchdown. So he's tied with Travis Kelsey for seven on the season. But what's impressive about that is that 
he's had a much smaller target share than Travis Kelsey gets. So Travis Kelsey's not far off a quarter of his team's target share, whereas Jonu Smith gets around 15% on the Titans. So at 4,100, he's, he's below, his price below Jasicki, his price below Goddard, and as you know, we, we know Goddard can produce, but with with the issues that Philadelphia are having with Wentz at quarterback at the moment and their offense as a whole, I just think that's a reasonable price at four thousand one hundred. I yeah, I love it. So you mentioned fifteen point seven points per game is the second most allowed to um, tight ends all season. They are considerably worse over the last four weeks. Still the second worst D over the last four weeks, but that is actually twenty points per game they're conceding. Um, their last four games have been against the Jags and Tyler Eifert slash Shaughnessy, the Eagles and Dallas Goddard, the Texans in that horrific rain game where they held the Texans to seven points and it was uh, a combination of Aikens and Fells and then against Darren Waller. So it says that when an elite tight end goes against them, they absolutely porous. They just absolutely shit points. Um, if you're going to get 20 points out of your tight end, in this format, I can't imagine you, you doing anything but cashing unless you have a mayor everywhere else. Um, and I'd back Smith to, to do that. Um, Tonyan, the Eagles D over the last four weeks has actually been the, the third best at 5.37 points per game, but their season average is, is a lot higher. 13.53. Uh, the Eagles schedule has, has just purely been down to, um, who they face from a talent perspective from, from tight ends. They've not been facing teams that typically throw to tight ends that much. And that explains that, that variance. So um, I think the, the issue with Tonyan, the only issue with Tonyan is that Alan Lazard is back and how much more will Alan Lazard eat into Robert Tonyan's um, target share? Because, Tonyan massively ate when Lazard was out and he mm. did score this weekend and he had a great week when Lazard was playing, but he wasn't fully fit and played a, a fewer percentage of snaps than um, you would expect from, from Alan Lazard going forward. I think that's my only concern with Tonyan, but for the price, you can't knock it. But if you mm. can squeeze that extra um, 400, Smith would be the bet unless, of course, he's owned by everybody. Does anybody know why Smith got no targets on this last week, though? Because I just uh, see Jeff Swain got three. He got knocked out of the game early, I believe. Okay. Um, let me double check that. That yeah. seems to be what was in my head. Um, I could be totally wrong here. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just wondering whether there was a thing. You know, I think he got quarterback. Knocked, I think and... he got knocked out of the game okay, early. I know he had a bit of a. I always like no, the... it, no, no, no. He, I it's someone else I got mixed up with. Um, the Titans only threw the ball twenty-two times. Yeah, and but Jeff Swain got three of them. I'm just wondering if this is one of those situations where, you know, the backup quarterback, whatever, has more of a you know connection with the backup tight end, etc. So I'm just looking at his last six to seven games, actually. Mm. So with Smith, um, he has two or fewer catches in six of his last seven games, um, which isn't great. Um, but as Nick says, he has a high propensity for the end zone. Um, so yeah, I wonder if it if it was just a. a I guess you don't know. Twenty two passes. That's not going to help. Um, should be a lot more because it'll be a higher scoring affair because the Browns will will score points um, at a good rate, especially as they run the ball. Um, as for why Swaim and Verks have got targets in that game, I don't know. Maybe it was just a match up mismatch against the Colts. Maybe because the Colts would have game planned. The Colts have been the best 
team in the in the NFL against tight ends the way that they match up, and maybe they just wanted some more uh, either some physical guys or just different speed guys. I don't really know, but yeah. maybe it's a matchup kind of scenario. He he's not drawing a whole heap of targets, Smith, but he does get into the end zone. Yeah, I see. Um, Jeff Swain when he's fit, I'm guessing judging by these snap count percentages, he actually plays 65 percent, roughly 65 percent. Yeah, he's more snaps. more of a blocking tight end. So, yeah. um, he, he got the one red zone target last week. So I'm just wondering. He's only he's a he's a bare minimum. So if you're going to punt on one, I usually punt on Tyler Eifert, don't I? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to punt on one, though, I think you know. Gosh, you'll get him at like point zero zero one percent owned as well. <laughs> See, I I like um, I like this week. I like um, either of the other two Dolphins tight ends, Adam Shaheen or or Smythe. Um, especially if Tua plays, because Tua doesn't throw to Gaziki. He much prefers Shaheen and Smythe in the red zone. Yeah. Both minimum price as well. Yeah. And both would be low-owned as well. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculously low-owned. Shaheen over the two, if they're both the same and there's no real advantage, then I'll go Shaheen. Shaheen has just given been given a new deal as well. Sure. Wrapping us up then with the defence and special teams, and I'll kick us off here, Mark, and there's not a lot I want to say on it, to be honest, because it's it's defences and it's patchy. You know, you're fortunate if you get a decent week out of them anyway. Um but I, I do quite like the Titans. Um, I know you've just mentioned, Murph, about the Browns putting up points and the strength of their offense, obviously, coming from the, the running game. But this is, I think this is just more of an eye test one for me. I think I'm just not convinced by the Browns. I don't know if they're, they're 8-3, and three, but I just, I'm, I'm still not convinced by them. Um, I think it's probably more... Um, it's more a reflection on Baker Mayfield than anything else because you can't really question Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt because they're putting up the points every week. But as we know from Mayfield, he's he's capable of turnovers and the Titans' defence is... They're not the, the league leaders when it comes to turnovers, but they're tied fifth in the league on interceptions. They've had 11 this year. So... I think this one's more just... I looked at the bookmakers' odds on this as to who they favour, and understandably, they went with the tight ends and they gave the Browns a three-point head start, I think it was, which usually you find that for the travelling team that if it's a fairly close game, you'll always get that, and it's it's basically the difference of a field goal. But the Titans were really odds-on for this one, two to five, they had them at, and I, I don't... I, do do I think it'll be a high scoring affair? Yeah, it could be. It's definitely got that capability to be. And when you look at the Titans defence on paper, it doesn't jump off the page in any specific category where you think, wow, they're really strong at that, like they have maybe in, in the previous year when you know, when they were on the playoff run, they were keeping teams' scores really low. And this year that I've looked across the board and they're not a particularly great defence against running backs, they're not a particularly great defence against quarterbacks, against receivers. They're just sort of milling around the sort of the middle of the pack on a bit of everything. So, yeah, it's more of an, like I said, more of an eye test one. I don't want to dwell on it for too long because it's just, it's a defense at the end of the day. And the price at 2,900, which they fall under that 3,000 that I like anyway and what I tend to look for in a bargain defense, um, I just think this is a game that the, tit- the Titans will win, should win, and I'm just not convinced by the Browns or Baker Mayfield, to be honest. Yeah, I, um, I'm i going to pick the Jets because 
again, they're the, they're the second cheapest um, defence, and I never pay more than like 2.3 for defence, <laughs> unless I have to. Um, and also, their actual fantasy scoring has been fantastic all season, and I don't know why they're so cheap. I think each week they look at it and they expect them to lose, but that doesn't always um, translate into the fantasy points for defences. It's just such a variance position uh, that you might as well go cheap. And I just 2.1 for the Jets again. I just think it's, think it's a no-brainer. What are the Raiders? It's season-long. They're my streaming pick. 3.4 the Raiders are. Yeah, okay, expensive. I wouldn't pay that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. I think... I think both picks are fine. And to be with defenses, you just you pick the rest of your team and you just put in one you like the look of, yeah. <laughs> or try and make sure it's not it's not it's, it's not, not a defense of anybody you're playing. The opposition, you see what I mean? That's kind yeah. of all you do. Uh, yeah, with some exceptions, like we decided last week, I think we could play. Yeah, I think last week I went the Bills, didn't I? And yeah. the Bills concede a lot of points, but also turn the ball over quite a lot. So yeah. uh, you, when you can find a defense like that, that you're not necessarily relying on them keeping the score down, that can still put up points. But I think they finished the week on six, which for a defense is just respectable, I suppose. It's not yeah. awful, it's not great at the same time. If you're getting double figures, you're absolutely winning on your defence for that week but it's just not a position that scores very highly in this format or in fantasy full stop and you've just got to be lucky to pick the Carolina Panthers scoring 28 points that's just all (laughs) or the Falcons or the Falcons (laughs) as regular listeners to the pod will know it does always end in tears so we're back to the playmakers this week on the tears aren't we Mark Um, so I'm the underdog we're, yeah, back back on back on my home turf. So we we work through the tiers, and again we're back to the pocket passer, the mobile passer, uh, the belco running back, so on and so forth. So just run me through your tiers lineup. We'll start with tier one. Who have you got there? Um, Aaron Rodgers. I've gone with Aaron Rodgers as well. <laughs> you that was one, one for one. <laughs> um, tier two, Russell Wilson. I've gone to Sean Watson, so I've gone with your guy oh, there, yeah. um, yeah. playing that off against you. Tier three? Derek Henry. Ah, see, I've switched it up just to try and diversify a little bit. I've gone mm. with Dalvin Cook in this tier mm. um, because I'm probably not going to include him in, in some of the lineups. I'll, mm. I'll sway more towards the receivers if I'm including Kirk Cousins. Um, That's going to be a 50-50% owned, isn't it, those two? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Tier four? Okay. Um, Damon Harris. Ooh, interesting. I've gone Kareem Hunt in Tier 4, but I did look at Harris. Um, tier 5? Uh, Devontae Adams. I'm with you on Devontae Adams there as well. And Pairing him th- up with um, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that that was my theory. Tier 6? Yeah. Uh, your man, Brandon Cooks. Although, having heard Merv talk now, I'm doubting this one. <laughs> I've gone with Justin Jefferson, so I've stuck to my uh, guns on that one. Um, tier 7? Uh, your man, Cooper Cup. Yeah, I've gone with Cooper Cup as well. I've gone for the bounce back week. Didn't have a great week against San Francisco, but this is a better matchup for him. So, yeah, Cooper Cup and tier eight. Hunter Henry. I've gone Robert Tonyan there. Yeah. Um, again, just pairing him up with Rogers to give me a nice little stack of Rogers, Adams, and Tonyan in the tiers. So, you've only got three the same this week? 
So this will be an interesting one. We had quite. We were going through the lineup last week, weren't we? And it was every pick at one point was was exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. I think it was the 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 tears was hinging on on literally two players performing mm. or not performing. That pretty yeah. much wraps us up for the week. It's been an absolute pleasure, um, and thank you for coming on and joining us, Murph, and giving your expertise as well. I hope you've enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it, fellas. It's good to good to actually get on and, and spin with you all and chat and. Uh, yeah, let me know if you uh, need anything through the rest of the week, rest of the season. I'm always here. I've got got stats galore in front of me, so always happy to share them. Good stuff. Hopefully, I mean, this is going to be a, a fortnightly thing where we, we're going to try recording in the morning, aren't we, Mark? So for yeah. listeners that don't know, we are recording in the morning. This is Wednesday morning. This should be with you on Thursday. Um, so, yeah, nice and early. And if you like your early starts, Murph, and you're looking to burn an hour or so of a morning, then I've no doubt we'll have you on again before the end of the season. Sounds good, fellas. We'd love it. Good stuff. Well, best of luck in week 13. We are week 13, aren't we? Week yeah. 30. Wow. It is absolutely flying. We're zoning in on the playoffs. Best of luck with your lineups this week. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Nick of Wigan. Mark, where can the listeners find you? I'm at underscore SMRF. And Murph, where can our listeners find you and the pod or the, the flagship itself? Well, luckily they can find a flagship where they find this podcast because it's on the same <laughs> feed. So that's that's always enjoyable. Um, if you if you somehow are listening to this and not listening to the flagship show, then I don't know shame. why. Shame on shame. you. <laughs> shame on you. All additional information. Um, but no, if uh, you can find me at Murph underscore NFL, you can find me. I sort of run the, the Five Yard Rush Twitter handle as well. Um, pretty easy person to find. So... Yeah, I, I wouldn't be good as a spy, let's put it that way. Good stuff. Gamble responsibly, everyone. This is your money. Don't forget that you're staking. But most importantly for this format, make sure that you are drafting responsibly as well. live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.